Howdy Partners, and welcome to another episode of the Howdy Partners podcast, where today we have James from Close.io talking about the experience of building a program alone, being the only partner person in his program. Uh, James and I have had a few chats before, uh, and he's actually talked to Ben in the past and Tom, who's not co-hosting today as well. So James is is very well connected to us. James, thank you for joining us today. How's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, doing great. Cool. Good, good. And yeah, Ben, and, uh, how are you? I've actually, I've actually had the pleasure of, of working with James in a uh, in the previous role at, uh, at Help Scout. So not only connected, but been very present and um, and impressed with what he's managed to put together um, at close. So excited to uh, to dive into it. And once you're in the partnership circle, you realize how small it is. You just start to bump into everybody, which is which is a lot of fun. Uh, and you you know, as you know, a community is created. Yep. For sure, hundred percent, mate. Um, and I think like that would be a good segue into maybe like where we want to start off today. Tell us how you made your way into partnerships. Yeah, so I was in on the sales team at Close uh, about four years ago. I started was the sole salesperson at Close, um, and was just hustling on the sales side. And we started to build out that team. A couple of years go by. And started naturally having a lot of conversations with um, consultants and agencies that were supporting close. Um, and there was really no one there talking to them and managing those relationships. And so being uh, the, the sales team lead at that time, um, I just took point on it and started guiding them in the right direction, helping them. They were sending us leads. So it was a no brainer, right? Um, to the point where it started to consume so much of my time, worthwhile time. Um, I proposed to uh, Steli and Nick that I should move over and start managing this, you know, a certain percentage of my time, um, as well as doing sales until we made an additional hire. Uh, so that's what I did. I went and did a fractional partnership management, uh, was still on the sales team. Finally, we hired some more folks on the sales team, and that sort of unleashed me to go full-time on partnerships um, and really focus my time and efforts there. And uh, that was you know, roughly a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, I love that. I love the unconventional ways that, that people get into partnerships. And I mean, in your case, it was um, kind of, an, I guess, a nice way to go about it because you already had the evidence and, and additionally yeah. some revenue they're already coming in from partners, which is sometimes not where you start with a partner program, right? It's like this mysterious thing that people just want to do without any any prior evidence or uh, or examples of it of it being successful. Um, so I guess give us an overview, you know, of, of what the program looks like now yep. at close. Like, what have you got cooking? What types of partners do you do you generally deal with? Maybe just give us a, an overview there. Yeah, absolutely. So naturally, it started with the you know service partners and and affiliates. They kind of drop into a similar bucket because we are paying them a commission for uh, the clients that they refer us. Although they're also building a service around clothes, and so that was our initial focus. We went all in there. Of course, we had to stand up tech to do that um, and implemented partner stack that cleaned things up quite a bit. Because as you know, if you're not paying your, your partners, you're, you're losing trust. You're losing your credit score as a, as a partnership program. And so that was important to us, making sure that people were getting paid for, um, the business that they were sending us. So making sure the tech was right, got that organized, got that right. So people can get paid and then begin and continued nurturing those relationships and then nurturing new relationships that hadn't been nurtured to that point. 
Um, from there, we started, you know, diving into different sectors. So, you know, perk partners were natural. So accelerators, incubators, any sort of startup program, startup community, uh, we wanted to, to be there, uh, because close is notoriously great for startups, smaller SMBs. So we needed to be present in all those big hitting incubators, accelerators, all those programs, um, to which we, um, in the, in July became official Microsoft partners as well, which was a huge one for us. Um, and that's been a fun program. It's been fun to work with that team there as well. So that's been another really strong pillar of the partnership program. Integration partnerships, of course. Um, this is one that we'll be leaning into more into 2023, the whole ecosystem concept, of course. We're a specialty tool. We're a SIL CRM. We depend on other tools to, to play well. So we need badass integrations and, you know, we'll be focusing there in 2023. So integration partnerships, go-to-market partnerships is a part of it, but hasn't been quite the focus up until now where we're going to have more resources. And then I, I personally believe that, you know, content should just be a natural part of a partnership manager's role. Uh, talking to other people, it just doesn't hurt. When I, when you're on a uh, partnership call and you're just not finding that synergy between your product, maybe between, uh, you know, your audience, there's just not quite much there. I feel like there's always room for some sort of thought leadership between that. That could be just partnerships related. That could be sales related, right? Nothing to do with your products at all. And you're just simply just creating more exposure, uh, for the, for both brands. And I feel like it's an easy one. So content's always one that we're leaning into. And and it's interesting as you've gone through all of that, like we started off this podcast by you explaining that you're a one man team and that's like, mm -hmm. That's an awful lot yeah. of different types of partners to be to be managing. Um, and so I'd be really interested for people that are sat here thinking, well, like we've got a team, we've got individual teams that handle mm -hmm. affiliates, that handle mm -hmm. technology partners, that handle. How do you prioritize your time and and how do you select like which partners to maybe give some some more TL, TLC to out of that group that you manage? It's recognizing the potential. Um you, I think as a good partnership manager, you need good instincts to understand like this could create a lot of impact. And now my priority is here, but you can't do that all the time if you're telling everybody yes. Right. So you got to be realistic with a lot of folks. And if you don't feel like there's going to be a lot of impact um, in a partnership and you're having that initial discovery call, you got to tell folks no. Um, yep. And just getting better at that, telling folks no. Um, or being realistic of like, this is not a priority now, but it will be in this time frame. And then I'd love to connect and have a more intentional conversation. So telling people no, setting clear expectations. But when you do have that synergy and alignment on a call, leaning in, and that could be on the integration side, which Ben, you know, we've gone through together yeah. an exercise like that, uh, that can be on the service partner side where, um, you know, they're, it, they're exposing your product to a niche that you were unaware of was a good fit for your product. Right. And now you've, you've had this epiphany of this is, this is great. Let's lean into this. I'm going to bring in resources from my end to, to help you be successful. It's recognizing those opportunities that have big impact using your instincts to recognize those and leaning in um, and telling people no. So that's in high level, how I prioritize. Yeah. I love that. I think, um, as an additional kind of question to you, are there, are there like 
scoring matrixes or anything you have to actually assess that that synergy or is it mainly done via gut because i know like there's some partner managers that will have like an excel spreadsheet and they're like you know they'll tick them off based on criteria but maybe explain like how how you go about defining like hey this is a high potential partner or maybe not like let's come back to you soon let's see I wish I was that sophisticated. I'm not. I uh, definitely go with my gut a lot on this. And it's knowing the product well enough, knowing our market well enough um, to realize when there's a good opportunity that's going to either add a lot of value for your your customers and your top of funnel that will you know add, lead to new opportunities just from uh, leaning into that, right? By making sure your customers and your top of funnel are taken care of. Um, and then it's also those new brand new opportunities you weren't thinking of that, you know, will be a fit because you know, the product and you know, the market. Um, so it's gut feel for me. It's to this point worked out well, hopefully sometime I'll get, be more sophisticated where I can score these types of interactions. But today it's gut. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, having to do. Sorry, that's sorry. a, that's a really good insight because, a lot of people probably get caught up in, oh, I, sh I heard this thing on this, you know, other podcast or I read this blog and it was about tiering and scoring and um, they may get caught up in trying to do that. But in reality, if they're spending time, like you said, James, learning in market and creating content and really engaging and becoming that subject matter expert, then they'll be able to have more of that gut feel where they don't need to get in the weeds of the scoring and this like really formal process. And they're probably not engaging with enough partners for that to matter anyways, because they'll just be working with, you know, the select few that they have a, a stronger gut feel through their subject matter expertise that this yep. is going to provide value. So I think that's a really good insight that you've kind of like naturally come to that. Because um, I imagine that if there's a lot of people consuming content, they can get caught up in in that kind of thing. So I really appreciate that that insight. It's very easy to consume a lot of content and feel like you're doing the wrong thing, right? If you're like, I don't have this really like put together process for scoring, I'm obviously doing something wrong. Sure, that's nice, and if you can put that together and it works, that's great. But you should lean on your instincts initially before that's put together in a meaningful way. Yeah, I. I guess I had an additional follow-up of you said like, hey, when, when there is a good fit, I'm then going to go away and like get the right people involved from, you know, internal resource mm -hmm. perspective to, to actually go to market with that partner. How have you found that kind of collation of other team members and actually influencing them that partnerships is the right way to go, if that makes sense? Like how has that process looked like at close? I think about it holistically, right? I, I think about can this partnership add value for our customers? Can it add value for top of funnel? Can it add value for our sales team? Can it add value for our success team? And can it add value for our support team, right? It's it's a holistic effort. And I feel like if it helps all of those parties in, involved in just running a business and adopting technology, it's such a win, 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 win. Um, and so those are the big, uh, those kind of conversations that I'm going to go all in. I know this is going to make the job easier for, for my team, add value to customers and uh, add value for top of funnel. So that's where um, when I'm pulling in more resources, I'm pulling in the support team, right? I might give them additional tech support or consultation on connecting integrations or setting up specific workflows within the product. Same with the success team, giving them a point of contact on the success team to make sure that they have a go-to point of contact there. Um, and then 
you know, on the sales team, it's giving them these tools to make the conversations easier as this top of funnel uh, comes to fruition. And this is, you know, the service partner, it's integration partners, um, all are relevant in this scenario. Yeah. And it, it, it's interesting. I've been talking with a few people recently around like what they're focusing on for, for 2023. And the point you made around, around being kind of data driven, I think is, is really topical because I think there's, there's obviously a need to test in partnerships, but I also think, especially in this new climate where maybe there's not enough as much budget to work with, mm -hmm. right? And there's reduction in headcount. Yep. It becomes like, how can I prove to my team through those points you made around, hey, this is going to make your lives easier or yeah. contribute more to the top of funnel, um, I think it's going to be be more and more important. So, so uh, yeah, I like that point a lot. It's also a good way to add value for your partners, right? If you're if you don't have the resources in house to say, we can do this, you know, beautiful go to market campaign and we can do all these crazy, amazing things and it'll be everywhere. I think the simplest thing you could do is uh, guarantee buy-in from your sales and success team, knowing that it's going to add value uh, to their process and from their service or their integration, right? And your partners get excited about that. If you mean it and you follow through with it, if that integration does add value and you get buy-in from your teams, huge win for the partner. If they're a service partner and they have a service that adds value to top of funnel or your customers, uh, they get excited, they win, your team wins. And so lack of resources, leverage your internal team's buy-in. Yeah, I, I love it. And and I guess like where I want to go next is more around like the, the future for your, mm. for your partner program. So we obviously started off with like how it was created and then how it scaled and how you've now got all of these different types of partners. How are you thinking for 2023 and beyond about scaling that team? Um, mm -hmm. And then the second question is like, where you sit at the moment in your role, what is going to be the next role you hire for on the partner team in your mind? We, we will definitely be hiring for a, an affiliate manager um, to manage the affiliate program as well as our service partners. Um, and so that will be the very next hire. You know, we're kind of pressure testing uh, the playbook for that in Q1, Q2, if you know anything about clothes, we run small and nimble, always have. We're bootstrapped and profitable. So it's like really push it to the point where we need that person and we know we can sustain that person and we're not going to let that person go because we know we want to hire, we want to keep them, we want to take care of them, and we know there's plenty uh, for them to go out and tackle. And so that's how we function as a company, function as a company since I've been here. Um, and that's what we're doing uh, leading up to this affiliate manager hire. Um, so, you know, we'd become a team of two uh, likely in and uh, into Q2, hopefully. And then after that, I'm really going to be focused on on tech partnerships and content. I love it. I love it. Well, there's an affillate manager out there that's looking for another gig and oh, sure. suggest them reaching out to, uh, to James. I, I, I mean, the point you made was like, was so spot on. I think there's a there's a risk in partnerships sometimes where an organization wants to go all in on partnerships. And so they think the best thing to do is just to hire a team of three, four, like we want to go after all these things. But in actual fact, like I think the better method is the one you've described there is like, let's run a series of tests. Let's see which ones are going to be successful and then double down once we know or we validated that test, Correct. right? So like, I, I kind of love what you said there about like, we want to make sure that once we get this person in, they're going to be a close employee for life and we've got enough revenue to sustain that person. I think that's really great. Exactly. Um, and I think that's a difficulty in the space at the moment in tech in general, but also in partnerships is 
we've grown these teams exponentially with the hope of reaching these crazy revenue goals. And now it's like, shit, like we can't actually sustain these teams. So, um, yeah, I mean, I love, I love that type of, uh, that type of mindset for, for sure. Um, definitely. Um, I, I guess that gets on to like the next point and you, you kind of mentioned it in that answer around how close has built their business being bootstrapped, right? Not taking yep. outside venture funding. And so I'd love for you to comment on that mainly around like how you felt that has changed one, the trajectory of the business, but secondly, how you think it's had an impact on your partner program as well. Full control of our destiny, which is so nice. Um, we, we get to listen to our customers. We get to listen to our top of funnel and we get to build with them and we get to adapt to the market, um, based on how we perceive the market today and how it's changing with no outside influence. Um, which is incredible. Um, we get to set our own KPIs, not set by someone else. And I feel like those outside KPIs when you're funded, it creates a scurry and this unnecessary anxiety um, when you haven't quite figured out what works and what what works and what doesn't, right? And so I think it gives folks anxiety. I think it sets folks up for failure. And this is just my personal opinion, but being bootstrapped and profitable allows you to go in, make those mistakes, pressure test, figure out what works, figure, figure out what doesn't work. Um, and then come to a conclusion and then lean in at the right time. Right. And that's, uh, you know, we've been in business for over a decade now and we've, our growth has been slow, but consistent, but it's been sustainable growth and will continue to be that way because we've controlled our own destiny. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. I mean, like you look at the, the market now and those types of companies are suddenly, the most sexy companies in the in the world of tech, right? It's not these companies that have raised a hundred million dollars yeah. Series A. It's the companies that have been profitable and continue to be profitable and have kept their employees, right? To your point earlier, um, which I love. And so, like, I guess really, um, unless Will, you've got any more questions for for James around, you know, what is detailed there. Um, I kind of like to to end as we do with most of these with just like some learning that you can share to fellow partnership practitioners that are maybe listening to this, um, what would you give us some tips or best practices around around partnerships, I guess? I think the first and foremost is don't suffer in silence. Um, if you're a small team or a one person team, reach out to other partnership teams, like get involved in communities, partner hacker, like they've got stuff going on. Um, but even then, like one-to-one, if there's a product that is similar to yours, um, reach out, like just see what they're doing, uh, connect with them on a call and just like start to build that community. Right. Um, I think it's easy to, as a partnership manager to feel alone, especially when you're a one person show. And so building that community, uh, with other partnership managers is great. And you're going to learn so much. They're going to expose you to shortcuts that might have taken you a couple months to figure out. And so I would say, don't suffer in silence, uh, reach out to folks, ask for help. Um, is is a huge one i've you know gotten a lot of value from that um i think that's what me and me and you did actually james I mean, yeah and, and like i was kind of smiling as you were talking there because i think like on our first call we spent probably the first like 20 minutes just going through strategy right and being like what do you think of this and, yeah. and so I, I i think 
I don't know if it's the same in every type of job role. Like, I can't remember it when I used to work in customer success. I don't know if it happens in sales because there's a lot of lone wolves in sales, right? Like, yeah. They don't want to give away their secrets. But I feel like because partnerships is is still a fairly misunderstood business mm-hmm. department, let's say, department in business, um, we're all trying to learn and there's all stuff we need to learn. And so um, I've been very impressed with any conversation I've had with partnership people they've always been willing to share mm-hmm. tips and best practices. Right. So, um, so I agree there. Yeah. What's the point of keeping a secret, you know, uh, share it, um, learn together. Um, and it's just, a, it's a lot of fun to communicate with people in different companies in the same role in different parts of the world. Like what are we doing if we're not, you know, connecting with people and building these relationships, um, to help our, our careers, but also just connect with people on a personal level. It's, it's enjoyable. Um, so yeah, don't suffer in silence, uh, is, is a big one for me. Yeah, I completely agree with that sentiment and I want people to really lean into this. So how would you operationalize that? Like what are the, the day to day or the, the weekly things that you do to not suffer in silence? Like, are you intentionally meeting with one person a week or, you know, commenting on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn? Like what does that look like for actually taking action? I'm definitely looking at LinkedIn content. And if I resonate with something that someone said, um, I, I will DM them on LinkedIn and either ask them a question I was curious about or just ask. And I, I did this with, I think I've done with, you know, did, did this with, uh, Will, uh, a ways back. Um, and then Ben, we kind of naturally came together, uh, through Help Scout. But, um, yeah, I'll just reach out and, and see what's, see what's up with them, you know, and, uh, see if they want to have a conversation of being respectful of their time, right? I'm never going to assume anybody's time, but, um, just see if they want to jump on a call, um, just talk shop and, uh, learn together. Uh, there's no strategy for me. It's just if serendipity puts me, my eyes on you or we collide in some fashion, let's just connect and chat. Yeah. I, I can, I can kind of plus one that because I think the other thing that you've been good at, James, and this is just, I think maybe a comment on you, but also what people should be doing is like, even when I left Help Scout, we still kept in touch. Mm-hmm. We still swapped ideas and stuff like that. And so I would say that even if you have these relationships in your role, keep them going, right? Mm-hmm. Like don't let it end when somebody leaves a business and you no longer work with them because there's still so much value and experience and learning that they're going to have in their next gig or their next experience. Right. And so I think you're really good at that part of um, connecting is like, it doesn't just stop with people that you work with. Right. Exactly. In my, I actually, there is a system to maintaining that. And anytime I think about somebody, um, this is in my personal life or like in my, you know, professional network, I'll ping them or call them. Um, haven't talked to a friend in a long time. I'll just pick up the phone. If I got a couple minutes, call them and see if they answer and bullshit for a bit, you know? Um, same thing. And, and if I see someone run across a, you know, a LinkedIn stream or thread that I hadn't talked to in a while, I'll ping them and just literally just see how they're doing. Um, or, you know, someone did, you know, took, had a hardship because of layoffs or something. I'm going to hit them up and see how they're doing and see if I can help them. Um, if I think about someone, they come across my mind. I haven't communicated with them in a while. I'm just going to check in. Love it. I love yeah. that. Love it, mate. Yeah, and like I said, yeah, it's amazing. And um, like I said, kudos to you because you're uh, you're one of the best in the game at the the follow up piece. So I mean, that's something that I need to adopt, and I think people should probably get from this uh, from this podcast for sure. 
Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's, uh, ben, any it's other a thoughts? Effective strategy for sure. None for me, no. Great having James on. Great reconnecting. Um, he's done some pretty fantastic things at close with um, with just himself, which is pretty incredible, to be honest, given the amount of partners that he just went through. Like, he's got affiliates, he's got, like, solutions, he's got technology partners, right? Like, everything, and then you couple that with the fact that he's a solo um, a solo operator. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what close does once they, once you get that, that doubling of your team, right, James, and, and you're yep. able to, to get, yeah, I'm dancing all day. I'm dancing all day, but you know, it's fun. Amazing. Um, well, it, and, like you heard here today. Oh, go ahead, James. No, no, go for it. Will. I was just going to say like, just like we talked about, reach out to James. Clearly uh, he's like very personable. We've kept in touch with him and uh, he's only going to try and help out, see if there's a way to partner or of course share insights. So uh, for those of you listening, reach out to James and you'll have a new person in your network to talk to. Absolutely. LinkedIn or James at close.com. Love it. Thanks so much for the time today, James. And uh, that is another episode of the Howdy Partners podcast. Thank you all for Thanks listening. Thanks for having me, fellas.